And I want to share some things with you. If you're visiting with us, we are preaching through the Gospel of John, and today we're on John chapter 17. And we began this journey through the Gospel of John, and I shared with you that John focuses on three aspects uh, of the life of Christ. In chapters 1 through 12, John focuses on Jesus as light. In chapters 13 through 17, his focus is Jesus as love. And John, uh, in, verses, in chapters 18 through 21, he then focuses on Jesus as life. And this morning, I want to talk with you about Jesus as love. You see, John has brought us to the place where Jesus has glorified the Father in what he's done here on earth. Uh, and now he prays for us to glorify him as well. His motivation for this is love for us. Uh, the first part of this prayer is not for us, okay? I need you to understand that. Jesus prayed, first off, he prayed on his own behalf. He prays for himself. Then Jesus prays for his disciples. And then Jesus prays for us. I bring that up because a lot of times uh, we like to just say, well, John chapter 17, Jesus prays for us. Well, he does eventually, okay? But he starts out, he prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for us. Um, and that's, that's not us. It's everyone who would become Christians in the future, Okay. And so he's praying for us. And now that we know uh, that, I want you to also know some things. Throughout the gospel, throughout the New Testament, there are examples of Jesus praying often. Okay? And we know this uh, as we read through. Jesus went away to pray at different times. Sometimes he went on a mountain. Sometimes the Bible just says he went away to pray. Um, and, and so he, we read those things. And sometimes he used prayer to heal people. He used prayer to cast out a demon. He prayed and then he fed people. All right, we've read some of those. And when you go back and look through Scripture, though, at all the times Jesus prayed, only a few of his prayers are actually written down and shared with us. Uh, by the way, John's prayer, or Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 is the longest of Jesus' prayers that's been shared with us in the Bible. Um, I, I appreciate that John shares this prayer. I think it lets us see very clearly who Jesus is. And what Jesus wants us to be. And we're going to read through this whole prayer. Uh, it's all of 26 verses. It's, it's not as long as you may think. Um, we're going to read through it. And then we're going to break it down. I'm going to talk about some of the different aspects of Jesus' prayer. To see what John has to share with us from the prayer of his best friend Jesus. Will you read with me? John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 1. <clears throat> Maybe. There it is. Jesus prays for us. This follows where um, Jesus had, had talked with his disciples about his hour was coming. And so as we come out of chapter 16 into verse 17, it starts off here. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 4 says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That back in John chapter one, do you remember that? 
John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was with God in the beginning. You see, Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning. He says, glorify me in your presence in the, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus knows what's coming. He's asking God to glorify him again. He said, I've manifested, in your, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know everything you have given them is from me. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I want to pause here real quick. Um, He is specific. He's getting specific. He's talking about the disciples. And he says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He goes on in this prayer at verse 10. And he says, all mine are yours and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, I jumped ahead. Sorry. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And here's verse 20. He says, and he transitions in his prayer. I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I want to go back to the beginning of this. So if you have your Gospel of John Bibles out, 
can keep those open and, uh, and think about some of these things. But verses 1 through 3, Jesus has already made reference that his time had come. Because this is the night that soldiers would arrest him. And a few hours afterwards, he would, he would go through a, a mock trial. He would go through a beating. He would go through all these things, and he would eventually die on the cross. And he knew that this had to happen. It was the only way to save us from the results of our sins. And when he became alive again, he defeated death. But that message is coming just around the corner. So you got to hold on to that one. It's coming. And then verses 4, four, four and 5, Jesus, God's son, he's always existed. He came to the earth. He, he was in heaven with the Father. He was in heaven with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And, and it said, John 1, 1, but he didn't remain in heaven. He was safe there. He, had, he, he didn't have to leave. Because of love, he came. He was born on the earth as a man. He came to save us, to set us free. And in doing so, he, he obeyed God always in everything he did. He did everything that God asked him to do. His life, his death, his resurrection, all brought glory to God. And here in this prayer, Jesus starts out asking God to give him glory that they had shared in heaven. He, he says, glorify me. And God grants this request when Jesus returns to heaven. He took a position of honor and authority next to God the Father. He's preparing a place for us. But it all started with love. And that's what I want you to know about is Jesus has love. This whole thing started with love. We go into verses 6 through 12. Jesus talks about the world in this, in this section of his, of his prayer. Uh, and, and I need you to understand here, the world refers to everybody and everything that opposes God. You got it? In verse 6 through 12, uh, it doesn't mean just the physical earth. Of course, the disciples lived on earth. They had a physical body, but they didn't belong to the world because they had spiritual life through Jesus. He had shown them uh, what God is really like, and they believed in Jesus. So they belonged to God, even though they remained in the world. Jesus told them, you will have trouble. Listen, all through the book of the Gospel of John, everything that John shared with us, every time Jesus did something good, someone opposed what he did. Every time that he, he healed someone, every time that he, that he spoke well, every time that he directed someone to God, every time that he directed someone to himself, it seemed there was always someone on the fringe or maybe even right in the middle of it that opposed what he was doing. And they opposed his disciples too. Jesus knew the disciples would be in danger just because they followed him. But when he was here on earth, he looked after them. See, the Jewish leaders one time, they said the disciples weren't obeying the law because they were, they were grabbing some kernels of, of corn, as they, or as, of wheat, wheat kernels as they walked along a wheat field, and they ate. And they said, oh, they eat without washing their hands. Jesus said, that's not what it's about. He spoke on their behalf. He protected them spiritually. He also taught them to love and obey God. He showed them the truth about God, and they belonged to God. So when he left the earth, Jesus trusted God to protect them. He, asked, he also asked God that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them so that they would remember and be able to share everything that Jesus had taught them. But he asked that they should be in complete unity with each other. He wanted them to love each other so that they would be stronger together, even though the world would despise them. The world would try to pull them apart. Verse 10, Jesus says to God, All mine are yours, and you are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus' disciples brought glory to him, because they showed his character. They were a reflection of him. They had his qualities. They spent time with him. They behaved like he did. They loved people like he did. It took some learning. It took, it took some heart change for some of them. But they loved people like he did. 
People knew what Jesus was like because of his disciples. We should all bring glory to Jesus. Then we go into the middle of verse 11. Jesus says to God, keep them in your name, which you have given me. You see, Jesus, God's son, had the power and the authority of God. The Father had given his power and authority to Jesus. And it's because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are complete unity with each other. And that's what Jesus is asking for his disciples. He said, well, I was with them. I kept them in your name, verse 12, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that scripture might be fulfilled. You see, Jesus' disciples belong to him just as much, just like sheep belong to a shepherd. We talked about that in John chapter 10. But, but you know, the problem with sheep, sheep can wander. Sheep aren't the smartest of animals, but they can wander. They, they can get out there wandering and, and going after something, and, and then they become missing. And then they're lost. But Jesus kept his disciples safe. I want you to understand something, though. We know that Judas, Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, Okay? But Judas had every opportunity to be a good disciple. Now, I'm not picking on Judas, but it, but it seems that every time something good happened, Judas was one of those naysayer type people. Mary washed Jesus' feet with nard and with her hair, and Judas was talking about, oh, what a waste. That money could have been used for something else. There were questions from Judas. The Bible even says that, that he, he stole from, from the, the common uh, collection, the purse that was carried to provide for the disciples and Jesus, that Judas helped himself to it. See, he had opportunity to be a good disciple, but instead he chose to leave Jesus in order to hand Jesus over to his enemies. There was a prophecy about that in Psalm 41.9, if you want to write that down and look at it. And, and, you know, bad things happened to Judas when he made that choice. But the ones that chose to follow, the ones that chose to stay in community with Jesus. He protected them. At verse 13, Jesus knew that his death was very near, and yet he talks about the complete joy that he had. And he wanted his disciples to have this joy. He had this complete joy because he was always in complete unity with the Father. It didn't matter to Jesus that bad things were going to happen. He had joy because he knew that his father loved him. He knew that he would be restored to the glory of his father. And he knew that his father would ultimately defeat death and the devil by means of his own death and resurrection. Guys, we can have this joy too. Go back a couple of Sundays. If if you're looking for joy in your life, I want to encourage you to abide in Jesus. Abide in his word. You connect with him like his disciples did. Bad things are going to happen. God loves you. Jesus loved you enough to sacrifice himself for you. You need to know that you are precious to him. Bad things are going to happen. But we can be sure that God's going to look after us. Ultimately, he will never allow the devil to defeat us. See, that's Jesus as love. If we stay with him, if we abide in him, he will never allow the devil to defeat us. Are you going to have hard times? Yes, you are. Are there going to be, is there going to be disease? Are there going to be things that happen? Yeah, sure. But ultimately, Satan will never defeat us if we abide in Jesus Christ. 
because of his love. When we depend on God in all circumstances, this joy can become real to us. Verses 14 through 16 in Jesus' prayer, he talks about the world again. And here he references everything and everybody that opposes God. People who oppose God can't belong to him. Whether they realize it or not, if you oppose God, you are in company with the devil. Let me be very clear here. Satan is God's enemy. Okay? So people who are in company of Satan are God's enemy. You, you can't be in, in company of both. You can't go back and forth. People who are in company of Satan hate Jesus. And they hate those people who belong to Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, the world will hate you. The world will, will come at you. The world will chase you down. The world will hunt you down. But Jesus didn't ask his father to remove his disciples from the world. He didn't say to his father, hey, take them with me. He didn't say that. Instead, he says, protect them from the devil. I've invested in them. They have a job to do. And they're going to go out and they're going to do this job. But he says, Father, protect them. You see, the disciples had to remain in the world so that they could tell people about Jesus. They were the original people to spread the good news that Jesus saves people. From that very message, some people would choose to believe in Jesus, accept him as their Lord and Savior, but others would simply reject him. People need to hear about Jesus. If you don't hear about Jesus, they can't make a decision about him. So, of course, Satan would attack this disciple spiritually. He's going to attack you spiritually. But God will keep you safe. Because people need to hear about Jesus. You know about Jesus. You have. You hold in your hand, whether you have one of these little Bibles, a whole Bible, the Bible on your phone or your iPad, you hold in your hand the gift of love, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And we now get the opportunity to share it with others. People need to hear about Jesus. In verses 17 through 19, he talks the word, he uses the word holy. Now, holy means separate, set apart. This was set apart so that God could use these things or these people for, their, for his purpose. And so Jesus asked God to make his disciples holy because they belong to him. Folks, we can't be holy on our own efforts. We can't become holy on our own. We can only become holy because of what God has done on our behalf by Jesus' death on the cross. Verses 20 through 26, after his death and resurrection, his disciples told many people about him. They spoke in public about salvation. They used Jesus' name to do miracles. And the good news about Jesus spread quickly. And then later, the authors of the Gospels recorded Jesus' words and his acts and the things he did. The church has continued to grow during the last 2,000 years because Christians have continued to teach others about Jesus. You know, people, we've translated the Bible into so many different languages, and we know about Jesus because of those original men who first wrote these things down. And this is where we get into the good part because the last part of Jesus' prayer not that all of that wasn't good, okay? But the last part of Jesus' prayer is on our behalf, specifically about us. He prays that all Christians would love each other 
He prayed that we would have unity as family, as one family. Even dysfunctional families love each other. And Jesus prayed that we would have unity, that we would have love. And this can only happen when we abide in him. This can only happen when we're in close relationship with God. It's like Jesus' symbol of the vine in John chapter 15. That's one of my favorite chapters. I know I keep going on about all my favorite things about the book of John. Every week I have a new favorite. And, and again, people tell me I'm not allowed to, but I do. Uh, abide. Abide in me. We must remain in close relationship with him. We must love each other. We must love other Christians. We're all God's children. It doesn't mean that we're always going to agree about everything. It doesn't mean that that we're going to worship God in exactly the same way. Some people in this room, when we sing songs, I've watched them. They raise their hands. I think it's awesome. Some of you are so amazing, you can clap and sing at the same time. I can't do that. I I I have to either sing or clap. Okay, Or I say to Dylan, don't stop clapping because I want to clap. I have the musical ability of this podium right here. <laughs> I, it's not in me. I want it to be, but I'm that one guy that'll be like, and, and they're just like, stop, don't. But if, if someone who can, you rhythm folks up here, I can follow along if you give me a little signal, all right? And I can do that. We all worship. My whole point of that is we worship God differently. I sing out to the top of my voice. Sorry, Dave. (laughs) He's usually the closest. (laughs) He hears me. (laughs) The Bible says make a joyful noise when you worship. And, And that's about all I have in me is a noise. We don't all worship God in the exact same way. But we need to believe in Jesus Christ that he is who he said he is. That he loved us enough to do what the Bible says he did. Folks, the Bible is true. It is without, without error. And we need to love and respect each other. I had someone ask me, they, they found out I was a preacher, which is good and bad. Sometimes people ask me what I do and I tell them I write short stories. Because <laughs> when you tell them you're a preacher, then they go, oh, my great-grandfather was a preacher, but he died of the plague or something like this. Like, there's these obscure connections with people when you tell them you're a preacher. And I was at, a, I was at a, a breakfast with some folks from different people in the community and some business people. And, and I had someone, they, and I said I was a preacher. And uh, they said, oh, do you believe the Bible is, is, uh, is, is true? I said, oh, 100%. They said, uh, so it's without error. I said, yeah. They said, which version? I said, pick one. <laughs> if it's the Holy Bible, and it, I said, I don't care if it's the, the, the ESV or the NIV. Or the, now, there's some different things, and we can go into lots of deep theological conversation. But I told this person, I said, listen, it comes down to this. Unless you happen to hold a, a degree in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, there's no point in continuing this conversation <laughs> because you pick whatever version you like. And that was their whole point. They were just like, well... There's, there's only one good version of the Bible. And I asked him, I said, is that the one that Jesus carried? And, the, <laughs> eh, you know, I said, the, it's true. This right here is true. 
can you, can you go back and, and, and I encourage you to, to study well when you see these words you don't understand. And that's what I told him. I said, listen, I've got a couple of people who, who actually do understand Greek. And I go and I talk to them when I come across certain phrases or words and I help them, I ask them to help me make sure I'm saying the right things publicly. I said the same thing. I've got some folks that, that have studied Hebrew. I don't know anybody that studied Aramaic, uh, but I have watched the Gospel of John in Aramaic and I didn't really understand it. <laughs> um, but, but the point is, we have means to solidify that this is still the inerrant word of God without flaw, without failure, that it's a truth, and it's a love story. We need to believe that the Bible is true. And in that, we need to love and care for one another in unity. It it doesn't matter if we're old or young. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter if we have a good education or not. It doesn't matter if we're rich or poor. When we belong to Jesus, then we belong to each other. And so we must help each other. We must pray for each other. We must encourage each other. This is a powerful way to show the world that our faith is real and our God is genuine. And that the Father loves us all as much as he loves his own son. When we know Jesus personally, it's a lot easier for us to remain united with God all the time. And we can even share in his glory. In the original language of this book, Jesus used simple words to emphasize this close relationship with God. It's difficult to to translate the complete meaning of these words into easy English. Okay? So in the Greek language, in verse 23, it begins, I am in them, and you, the Father, are in me. And, And so Jesus lives in us by means of the Holy Spirit. We belong to Jesus. He leads us. He guides us. He provides for us. He cares for us. And as he prayed for his disciples, he prayed for us also. He prayed for unity within his bride, the church. And when we can be unified, he will always be with us. This prayer that Jesus prayed, I think it, in my mind it solidifies that Jesus is love. Not only is he love, but he was willing to do his part. And in doing his part, he's glorified the Father. And then he prays that we would do our part. I believe that in love and unity, we will glorify him as well. You see, his motivation is his kindness. Jesus' motivation is his love for us. He he doesn't use scare tactics for us to love and serve him. He uses kindness and love and prayer. And in his final moments on earth, he comforts the men that are with him. He prays over the men that are with him. In in some of his final moments, his prayers are for them. I think Chris Tomlin said it well in his song, Kindness. He said, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Jesus doesn't guilt us into loving him, into repenting, into changing our ways. He doesn't scare us. His love. He said, hey, you want to see something amazing? Abide in me. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when you come, it's going to be so worth it. It's his kindness, it's his love. Your favor, Lord, is our desire. It's your beauty, Lord, that makes us stand in silence. Your love, Jesus, your love is better than life. He said, We can feel your mercy falling. You're turning our hearts back again. 
Hear our praises, rise to heaven. Draw us near, Lord, meet us here. I'm not sure what more you need to know. Jesus is love. John has, has shown from chapters 12 or 13 to 17, he has shown us Jesus as love. He's shown it in his word. He's shown it in his actions. Jesus has shown it in his prayers over us and about us. Verse 26, he says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus did his part. Will you consider your part as we stand and sing our response song and respond to his love accordingly? Will you stand and sing with us?